You are now entering the transit zone. Welcome back to the transit zone. I'm Peter Clark in Melbourne, Australia. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which I record and produce these podcasts, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay respect to their elders. The Sydney Inner Metropolitan Electorate of Wentworth is both affluent and very diverse. Geographically, much of it hugs Sydney Harbour. The current Liberal Party incumbent is Dave Sharma, who won the seat back from Independent MP Karen Phelps at the 2019 election. Sharma bills himself as a moderate, but his voting record belies that. Earlier MPs for Wentworth were former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and Liberal Opposition Leader John Hewson. Now, Allegra Spender, a dynastic Liberal Party blue blood, is standing as one of those voices of centre-right independents who reflect a dissident, out-of-parliament wing of the Liberal Party, now under Prime Minister Scott Morrison, comprehensively captured by the hard right. Margot Kingston spoke with Allegra Spender for The Transit Zone. I'd like to welcome Legra Spender, the Independence Day candidate for Wentworth. Thank you so much for agreeing to have a chat, Allegra. Absolute pleasure, Margot. Great to be here. So there you are in isolation with COVID instead of on the campaign trail. What a start you've had. How has the COVID isolation experience and the illness been for you? Oh, look, I feel um, I've got away pretty lightly with COVID itself in the sense I haven't been too unwell. Um, you know, I'd love to be out there on the campaign trail. And so, um, but lucky still able to meet a lot of people online, but um, can't wait to get back out there and, and meet, meet more people face to face. What is your assessment of the, the performance of the federal and New South Wales governments with this Omicron wave disaster? Look, I think, um, you know, my personal experience, I think, reflects, I think, what a lot of the community has felt um, through this time. And it's, it's a deep frustration. Uh, you know, when when we were first exposed, you know, we were a five-person household and had four tests and, you know, didn't know how to get, you know, struggled, really struggled to get any more. So that was a, a real, real challenge for us. And certainly I know from you know, listening to other people, you know, there's a lot of concern about vulnerable older parents or other people in the community who you want to stay connected to, but you're very wary of seeing because of mm. not being able to assess whether you have COVID or not. And similarly, trying to get the kids, um, you know, uh, vaccinations, you know, in start of school, same thing. I had to get my sort of father and his his wife to basically, you know, do all the call arounds, you know, in all the local pharmacies and GPs just to try and get somebody in there because all the ones, the typical ones we tried, they just weren't there. So I think there's a lot of frustration in the community um, about particularly the Omicron um, handling and, you know, and, you know, again, finally speaking to some uh, some aged care providers this week, I think that's some of the greatest concern where, you know, aged care workers are not being able to have the rapid antigen tests um, that they need. And um, so, you know, their workforce is actually being really hard hit in a time that they're really stretched already. So these are some of the concerns that uh, the community has. I asked Twitter if they had any questions for you. And one question was, what's your thinking on how much reform the aged care system needs? What's your feeling about what needs to happen broadly to fix this disaster? Look, I think, um, you know, there's been a Royal Commission into aged care. And I think, 
that's really appropriate. And I think the, the big work ahead of us is making sure those things are actually implemented. Um, and I think that's that's extremely important. Again, I was talking to someone this week about um, you know the aged care sector, but also the sector that supports not just those within homes, but also those supporting, you know, um, for instance, like Meals on Wheels or, or those support services for people when they're in their homes or not in the aged care setting. And again, there's a lot of reform that is still needed there to make sure that, you know, those people who are providing those services um, are doing that both in a safe way, but also, you know, recognising the full value of what they provide and they can do that in a sustainable way as, as, you know, the charities and organisations they are. So there's a lot to be reformed in aged care. And I think certainly the pandemic has highlighted that this is an incredibly important part of the community and they need to get good care. Would you support the planned application to the Fair Work Commission to lift the base wages of aged care workers so that there's some semblance of proper worth for that work? Because, I mean, I saw a story last night that checkout people get more and... I did a nursing degree for a little while now. I've seen it firsthand and the physical work is huge. The emotional work is huge and it's 22 bucks an hour, Allegra. Look, I think this is something that I, again, have been talking to the sector about and you see a lot of the people who work in that sector, they're also women and this is, you know, another factor in terms of, you know, women in caring, um, in the caring sectors. They are not well paid at all and those pay, those costs are generally borne or sort of somewhat dictated by um by the government. So I certainly support that, you know, we, we reflect on whether they've got, um, that we're, we're supporting them enough um, because these these workers are going to be more and more important to our community mm. uh, as we age. So you, you certainly something I think that's in, it's really important that we look at that. You grew up surrounded by New South Wales Liberal Party politics. Your dad was a member for North Sydney and a minister in the Fraser government. What is your take on what is going on now with the implosion factionally, with a, a direct hit at, at Morrison by someone in his own cabinet at his reset. What's your feeling about the underlying tensions that are producing this effect? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, I think that the I think the the major concern is that the party has lost is losing touch with what the voters are concerned about and they're you know, they're going in on themselves about, you know, it's their power squabble within within the party itself. And again, that's what voters are so bored of and cannot be bothered with is hearing about who's trying to roll who and what part of the faction is trying to, you know, get power from others. It's just irrelevant. What we're trying to focus on is what is important for Australians and how to how to lead the best government that you can. And they're completely distracted. And I think that's that sense of the, you know, that focus on the party and their own um, performance is more important than actually what they're doing across the government. Do you think it's all about personal power struggles and factions or do you think there are deeper issues concerning what does the Liberal Party stand for? What does it believe in? Is it correct for me to suggest that there is a fundamental battle of ideas going on between people who believe in liberalism and people who don't? Look, I think the Liberal Party are probably the best people to answer that, but certainly um, from the outside, what I would say is that the, you know, a lot of voters have actually asked me this very question, what does the Liberal Party stand for? You know, because they, you know, they felt, you know, the Liberal Party stood for, you know, progressive, open, um, 
you know, social values and sort of in fairly conservative economic values that were certainly sometimes in the past. Um, you look at Fraser's approach to refugees, for example, versus mm-hmm. the current Liberal Party's approach to refugees, and they are worlds the worlds apart. So I think um, I think there is a lot of confusion there um, in in the community about what they're really standing for. You look at the you know the budget blowout. You know we're about to hit a one trillion dollars worth of debt, and a lot of that was really on train before COVID. And so I think there's a there's a great deal of questioning about you know what is the Liberal Party um, standing for and certainly I don't think that the current Liberal Party is, is in at the federal level is, is articulating that. This brings me to another tweet question. What is your position on the Biller-Wheeler family and do you think that refugees who've been in detention for nine years should be released now? Look, absolutely. Um, my possession, you know, I, as a parent, you know, you go, you go, how, you know, you have one child left in detention. What on earth can you possibly do? You know, these are he's a forklift driver. He could be out there. You know, when we've got skill shortages, um, making contribution to the community. But of course, you you know, you've got you need your children and your family to be united. Um, so you know, I was literally um, talking to the Australian Asylum Seeker Resource Centre earlier today about these very issues. And certainly, you know, my position is that you know, arbitrary indefinite detention is a blot. On Australia, you know, we night people who are who are refugees under under the you know UN, um, UN definition of refugees, and they are locked up, you know, and in, indefinitely. That's 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 a terrible blight, and it's absolutely just should, is unacceptable. You know, I appreciate you know you need to have it takes time to process refugees or those questions, but arbitrary indefinite detention is is absolutely a blot. Um, on Australia. I'd like to get to a, a personal promise that the PM made voters of Wentworth at the 2018 by-election, which is that he would urgently repeal the law that allows private schools to expel students for being gay. That was October 2018. Looks like the Religious Discrimination Bills committees are reporting there's clearly a, a big split in the party. What do you expect the current Liberal MP to do on this matter? Do you think he should cross the floor if the Religious Discrimination Bill is introduced without the repeal of that gay kids' law? He absolutely should. I think the the law as it stands is does not protect um, students and, and also educators um, from uh, from LG, LGBTQI plus students and educators, and in and unless they repeal that, there's absolutely no way that the religious discrimination, you know, bill um, should you know get any support from from the local member. I think he needs to be really clear on you know what are the priorities of this community and and say we, this is the absolute minimum that the community expects. There are other concerning issues with that bill, but that is the absolute minimum. The other big one that Morrison faces when Parliament resumes soon is the Federal Integrity Commission bill, which he is refusing to even introduce his weak bill at the moment because it it seems that, again, moderate MPs are almost getting to the stage where they'd oppose that bill and work in the Parliament to beef it up. Where are you at with that and what would you expect, again, your Liberal MP for Wentworth to do on this matter? Look, I think you saw Bridget Archer um, before Christmas um, 
across the floor to debate Helen Haynes's bill. And I think Helen, the bill that independent MP Helen Hayes has put forward regarding um, federal integrity is a is a really solid one. It's you know it has what it has the community's um, expectations in terms of integrity of things like having public hearings and that it has a wide scope of corruption because corruption you know we've got the courts to deal with criminal activities. It's actually the broader um, corruption that that the community is just so sick of that we don't want to see in in the federal parliament and so i you know i fully support H uh, helen haynes's bill and and i think that the government's bill is is woefully inadequate so again that's what you should if these are truly moderate liberals these are what the values that they should be standing up for someone said to me who's in another campaign that a candidate announces and walks into a, a campaign office and you've got to work out the structure, the process and the implementation at the same time. Could you just take me through your experience of, you know, a, a businesswoman walking into a, a grassroots organisation filled with volunteers? How has that been and where is your structure at? And <laughs> how are you coping with this incredible experiment? Look, it's it has been um, it has been quite the experience. Um, particularly before Christmas, I was still the CEO of the Australian Business Community Network. I resigned at Christmas. Uh, I resigned um, before then and, and finished up before Christmas. So doing that, particularly at the start when I was still running one organisation and trying to kick off another one, um, was quite the challenge. And I think um, you know we've just been overwhelmed with support from volunteers. And so a lot of the work is actually trying to work out how do you use these you know fabulous skills and capabilities of people in Wentworth yeah. um, and to the greatest effect and how do you bring different groups of volunteers together because that's a key key um key focus for us. It's actually, you know, they're more than volunteers. They're really advocates in the community mm. for the campaign and for change. And so getting and supporting them and giving them what they need is absolutely vital. And at the same time, you know, you've got media and social media and, um, you know, and then policy. And so it's just I'd say there's lots of different moving parts, um, but I'm very grateful that we've got so many people, um, you know, who were, who've been committed to having an independent in Wentworth from the start um, because they've really helped bring some of that structure in in the beginning and, and we're still evolving it every single day. Your policy framework, I've spoken to a number of candidates who've said, right, the kitchen tables and all that stuff is a starting point and, and as a candidate I'm actually exploring the issues and discussing the issues and working it out as I go with the community. What's your policy formulation structure and how is that working so far? Look, I think that's very, uh, very similar to to me in the sense that you know we're listening. Um, I'm listening a lot to what the community tells me, um, and then the other piece I'm really doing is seeking out experts um, because I think that uh, you know with any policy issue, you know, there these things are, are deep and often well studied. And so if you if you talk to a range of experts, you know, across you know, with different perspectives, you're not trying to just have one perspective. I think that's when you get the best policy formation. But at the same time, understanding what's most important from the community. So the community is both feeding into policy in terms of their perspectives, but also in terms of saying these are the policies that we want you as an independent to really be standing up for for Wentworth. So that's, you know, and, and that's an uh, evolving um, piece. You're listening to another Transit Zone podcast. I'm Peter Clark. Margot Kingston is speaking with an independent candidate for the Sydney seat of Wentworth in the forthcoming federal election, Allegra Spender.
We talked about an open economy and, and all that sort of thing. Where are you at with your climate change policy? Look, we're at the, um, I've got the, we're quite a long, you know, climate has been one of the key things I've stood for and I've been, um, you know, an advocate for renewable energy, you know, for over almost 10 years. So that's one that we've started with. So we're really in the finalisation of, of the finer detail of that policy. Um, and certainly, you know, the, the headline for me is that we know from an environmental point of view um, that we need, that the next 10 years is vitally important. Um, at the same time, the next 10 years is a huge economic opportunity for Australia to be out in front in terms of becoming the you know, clean energy superpower that we can be. So, you know, we've got to stop the government sort of holding the holding the economy back and also you know, harming the environment by not taking enough action. So one of my first, you know, um, climate pieces is to say we need to absolutely have a more ambitious target by 2030, at least 50%, if not further. I read a really interesting tweet from a, a regional member of the Australian Conservation Foundation recently, which said, look, Country and regional people are just as concerned as city people, but they've got a lot more to lose on the ground in some cases. So how about a transition plan? Are you thinking about that too, to try and avoid this really counterproductive city versus country thing that the coalition's promoting on climate change? Look, absolutely. And I think, you know, yeah, I really reject that city versus country um, perspective. Certainly, you know, I, I think back to the bushfires in 2019 and how the, you know, the entire Australian community um, was concerned and got behind, you know, the the regions wherever those bushfires were, you know, were affecting people that the most. So I think that it's a it's a completely false dichotomy, the country versus city, and certainly, you know, there, the I think there will be you know, a lot of transition that needs to happen in regional areas, but there's also a lot of opportunity in regional areas in terms of Australia's transition. And so I think we need a decent plan. We need a plan for how are we going to phase out coal in Australia? How are we going to phase in renewables? And how is that going to affect community by community and make sure that we are supporting the, each community through those transitions? I've had a quite a few dealings with Susie Holt in Groom. So there she is, Toowoomba, surrounded by the Darling Downs Food Bowl and coal and gas. Also other candidates in, in rural areas who they want to participate in the transition, but it, it's going to take a, a fair bit to make that happen. So I was just wondering if you'd consider sort of having a chat with a couple of the other Indies in, in the regional areas to get their input into your process. I know that sounds a bit weird, but would you consider something like that? Of course I would, absolutely. And I think, you know, the absolutely, because I think, you know, when I think about the people of Wentworth, the people of Wentworth are a very fair group of people they're very compassionate they want see the economic opportunity but nobody wants to leave people behind in this and so I'd be very happy um, to be connected with with those different people and and certainly will seek some of those um, people out myself to get the feedback into my transition plan I published a, a piece about reporting Indi this morning and it was the day after the election and I finally asked Kathy like what's the personal journey been like and she talked about well I read Jane Fonda and when you're 60 you got to work out your next phase or whatever and I, I just I'm just so interested in how on earth a person like you a private person very successful very well connected just thought oh I think I might stand and have shit thrown at me which is already is as you know <laughs> 
Yeah, it's been a real it's a been a real journey. I did not start twenty twenty one believe thinking that <laughs> anything like this was on the cards. Yeah. Um and I think for me I think the biggest personal journey the piece was, you know, it was a very hard decision to want to do this, uh, to say yes. I, um, you know, I had a job I absolutely adored. I have a young family. Um, I've, you know, we've been barely on social media for the last 10 years, let alone sort of <laughs> oh my God. This, uh, <laughs> in, in, unlike the current situation. And so, um, and I had an Italian passport. <laughs> um, and so there are all these different things that were like, oh, you know, do I really want to do this? Um but at the same time, I looked at this, and it comes back to what a lot of people have said to me in the community. It's really important. It's, you know, we don't have infinite time to just, you know, hope that um, the coalition is going to sort themselves out in climate, hope that the parliament is going to sort themselves out in integrity. We just actually don't have any more time. It's a time to act and, and really act now. And I And that's really why I tried to do it. I, you know, I kept on... You know, I said to the people who were encouraging me to do it, look, you know, you know, just <laughs> uh, try, you know, find the best person. They kept on saying, sorry, Allegra, I think that's still you. Because oh. I, like, oh. <laughs> I really did, you know, because it, and then that was why I decided to do it was because I thought, you know, it is this is not the path that I was planning or, or choosing. But at the same time, I think it is really, really, really important. And so when something is, is, is really important, I just can't stand by and say, sorry, you know, good luck, um, but I'm not willing to do that personally. I might be wrong, but it struck me when I, I met you at your launch that you were quite a shy person, quite a, a private person. How has it been actually going, okay, now I'm public and out there for all and talking to everyone? How has that been for you on a, a psychological level, I suppose? It's a step out, isn't it? Yeah, it is a step out. And look, I um, I think the way that I've worked this out is we're keeping our kids completely out of this. I've got young kids yep. and my husband, yep. you know, we've agreed that's probably the best way for us to keep, you know, the family completely out. They're too young to be able to make their own decision about, I think, yep. participating or not. Um, and so, you know, I've got a huge amount of support for that. And and why I am, I wouldn't call myself an extrovert, Um, I really like people. I like understanding people and I like listening to people. And so the campaigning itself I've really enjoyed because it's really a chance just to say what's important to you what would you like your local member, you know, to be standing for? And, you know, and I think that's a very rich conversation for me. And then it's talking to experts across the community about, you know, what what is urgent for this country. So I, those pieces, you know, that gives me a lot of um, joy, sort of pure social chit-chat I'm not so good at, but understanding what's important to people I, I absolutely adore. One other question from a tweet. I remember at the Wentworth by-election, Lucia Heath, stood as an independent and her platform was, hey, there's a lot of people that aren't rich in Wentworth and there's no public school for them. I wonder where you're, you're placed on that. Look, I've um saying I worked for the last four years as a, as a CEO of a not-for-profit which worked with 200 um, government schools around Australia. These were in low socioeconomic areas. Um, but, you know, that... Um, I, the schools, public education is absolutely vital to every single community and it's vital to Wentworth. And a lot of people have come to me personally and said, look, you know, I think there was a piece in the Sydney Morning Herald the other day saying the the average um, year 12 fees for a Wentworth school, private school, are $35,000. They're the highest in um, yeah. the highest in Sydney. And it is out of reach of, of you know, the, the 
a huge number of people in Wentworth. We need access to excellent public education and, you know, as well as choices that people want to make in private education. And we've got one high school, the Rose Bay Secondary College, and it's a, it's a, it's a great school, but it's, it's crammed and it's on one part of the electorate. So this, I'm a very staunch advocate for a second public high school in Wentworth. So I think this is a time for everybody to reflect on what is important to them and whether you know, the people representing them in, in Canberra are standing for what is important to them. I have heard it said that you have a privileged life that doesn't connect with ordinary people doing it a bit tougher. What's your answer to that? <laughs> well, look, um, I know I've been very, very lucky in my upbringing and, um, you know, I don't take that for granted. And one of the things um, my mum taught me, and mum was a, you know, immigrant, came to Australia when she was um, very young in sort of 1950, the school at 14, she came, she didn't speak English and she but then became a very successful uh, person in her own right in, in establishing her own fashion business and everything that she she achieved and um, what she had a very strong view about myself and my siblings and about that we needed to make sure that we took nothing for granted that we knew what hard work was and that we knew that the world didn't owe us anything that we we had to make our mark on the world and we had to make our contribution um, and so that you know while I know I had a very lucky upbringing you know that experience of of you know, working with mum and I worked in her business since I was 10 years old, every single school holiday, the typical <laughs> uh, typical experience, but it was a very formative one. And that's what I took from her. And so that's that's how I approach things is to go, you know, no one, you know, I, I may have had a very lucky upbringing, but I think it's it's my job to make a contribution. And, and that really has driven me in a lot of my choices. So for instance, um, I spent uh, almost a year working in Kenya as a working for a not-for-profit about how do you help um, businesses, rural businesses, help lift people out of poverty. Um, or I spent the last um, four years running the Australian Business Community Network, which is a network of 200 low socioeconomic schools around Australia um, and 40 big businesses, and working very closely with their principals and also business leaders to say, you know, not everyone has gets the privileges that I have got, but young people and in Australia across the spectrum have so much to bring. How do we make sure that every kid, wherever they've come from, um, has the best chance of having a successful and and you know and successful life and a purposeful life in their own minds? So for me, that's um, you know those are some of the messages I took from my mum, and that's how I've um, really tried to to bring it into my own experience. We saw in the the recent North Sydney poll that the Liberals did that they are going to go in very hard about chaos, instability, hung parliament, you know, very hypothetical. But if you were in a position where your vote could help determine who the government was, what would be your approach to making that decision? Look, um, I think I would start by what is most important to the community um, and make sure that whatever whatever government um, was forming was going to that they had the best chance of getting what was important to the community um, across. And certainly, when I look at Wentworth, people talk to me about climate change, absolutely the environment as well as the economic risk. Um, people talk to me about waste, about the concern that they feel that the government's wasting money. We're spending four million dollars per person um, to keep. Um, for example, refugees on Nauru, um, you know, the sports rorts and those things, people have a real concern about government waste and the burden we're putting on young people in the future. Um, 
And people talk a lot about integrity, about saying we want a parliament we can trust, we want transparency, we want accountability of our politicians. And so those would be the, the issues that, that I would be standing for in, in any sort of negotiations or discussion. And this is the fundamental dilemma, isn't it? Because if you put to the government, I'll give you confidence and supply if you give the people a strong Federal Integrity Commission and re-election on climate change, there is a, a distinct possibility that the coalition would say no. So... What do you do? Do you take it back to your constituents? Do you work it out for yourself? What would you do? Look, I think that you would. I think that you work on again what has every what you have learnt through the process of talking to your community over this whole period, and at the same time, it's also how you vote. So regardless of who's in power, as independents, you get to vote on every single piece of legislation that goes through the house. And independents, as Ali and Helen have shown, can put forward great and very solid and and purposeful legislation into the house as well, and build their own coalitions to pass pieces. Many, yeah. you know, that's how the Medivac bill got passed by, driven by Karen Phelps. So I think that that's the opportunity, not only um, in terms of who who actually gets to form government, but how as you as independents can actually really drive drive legislation. But, you know, Margot, for me, I'm a, I know, you know, I've seen some of the push polling about, you know, uh, instability and, and pieces like that. And for, I always say, look, I'm a builder. You know, I've, I've run small business, you know, I've run, you know, different coalitions. I'm someone who is who likes to bring people together and get the best outcome, you know, balancing the different factors um, that people have. So for me, whatever happens, my job is to be constructive, to create a very stable, um, stable government, stable environment and, and make sure that we can get done what is most important to the Australian people. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Absolute pleasure. Margot Kingston, speaking with Allegra Spender, an independent candidate in the forthcoming federal election for Wentworth in Sydney. Her Liberal Party incumbent opponent is Dave Sharma. If you'd like to email us at the Transit Zone, here is our email address, transitzonepod at gmail.com. We always welcome your comments, your questions, your ideas for new podcast episodes. Transitzonepod at gmail.com. I'm Peter Clark in Melbourne, Australia. Thanks for listening. And please join us again soon right here in the Transit Zone. You are now leaving the Transit Zone.